Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Double Shot Sports Podcast. I'm JP. Of course, we got Hector on the other line as usual. What's up, Hector? What's up? What's up? How you feeling? We won. We finally won. <laughs> you got to feel a little better now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a really um, a bounce back win that the Cowboys really needed. It was like things were just so deflating after last week. And, um, and granted, Eagles had a lot of issues as well. Um, I don't know whether this says more about the Cowboys victory or the Eagles loss, but we still blew them out. 37 to 10 and I'm really happy with that yeah and the good thing was that we didn't win by a possession you know if you win by seven points or less it can come down to we should have had this one play differently we fumbled the ball here and it would have been better no, no we blew them out like you said we 27 points left nothing to question and that was the I, and I mentioned it last week that we usually lose when we lose to the Eagles it's usually in Dallas we almost always take the game in Philly when we split um, but hell, going back to the beginning of last year, we're now four and zero against Philadelphia, and I think it was um, I was on the road when we first when the game first started, and it wasn't until you texted me that I realized that uh, that something was I, I don't want to say changing, but also going back to because the the wording that you used was finally some creativity again, and I didn't see that first touchdown until today actually, so I went back and watched it, and that play was so beautifully thought out like that that i understand exactly what you mean by the creativity that was a triple option it was a triple he dak prescott put the ball put the ball into zeke's belly he could have or not sorry not even was it zeke i think no, it was tony pollard no it was it was tavon austin no 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 uh but the, his first option so he put it oh. into the running back stomach yeah and yeah and and then uh he poured it back his second option was to run it himself but they he saw how fast they crashed. He went to the third option, which was Tavon Austin. But it was executed to perfection. Every single person on that line crashed to the offense's left because they thought that the ball was going that way. Because it was third and two, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, they crashed to the left. Once they saw that Dak kept it, the two defensive ends or the the two defensive linemen that were there crashed onto Dak, and he didn't panic at all. He stood there. He didn't like. Throw it real quick. He stood there, uh, uh, executed the perfect pitch, gave it to Devon Austin, gave him the open field against uh, Cowboys ex Orlando Skandrick. And when you give somebody like Tavon Austin the open field, one cut, if you let him take one cut on you, he's gone. He's he's got four three four four speed, and he's small. He's he's elusive, and uh, and it was perfect. It, it was just it was the epitome of what Kellen Moore's offense can be. And and what the Cowboys can be when we have a scary run game. And that's also now uh, Philadelphia Eagles X Orlando Skandrick. Did you see that he was cut today? Did they cut him? Yeah, they cut him today. Oh my god, I didn't <laughs> see that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they did. Oh, so well, sad. good. What they need to do is cut. Now, here's the thing, though. Last week, <laughs> last week, their I think it was their linebacker was talking all that noise on Kirk Cousins, and then Kirk Cousins lights him up, and then they cut yeah. the linebacker. Yeah, exactly. This week. Orlando Skandrick gets toasted. They cut Orlando Skandrick. Well, are you just gonna ignore that Doug Peterson was over there guaranteeing <laughs> wins? Yeah, he's <laughs> got to do about him. He's got to go. He's got to go. 
He's now, on I know the if he, it's got to be it's got to be fair across the board. <laughs> Man, no, but for real, the biggest thing was that finally we saw some action on defense. Like we start starting out the game with two with uh, two fumbles, and uh, overall three sacks and five hits on Carson Wentz. Like they made Wentz's life hell today. There was it was huge games. Um, from everybody involved, even when you take into account that um, Robert Quinn and Leighton Vanderish had to leave the game early, um, due to was it Robert Quinn had a rib injury, Vanderish had a neck injury. They're, they're saying today that he they should be back after the bye week, but uh, even that you take out two of their main guys on defense and they still they still destroyed them. Like it was <clears throat> they they uh, was it holding them to ten points coming from yeah. a coming from a team that. Uh, you know, just has not really hasn't been horrible on defense, but he just has not been able to get those emphatic stops. And they finally got them this week, which is a really nice change of pace. Yeah, and and they haven't lived up to what they can be. We all know the players that are on that defense and and the 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 guys that make it all up, and we know what it what it can be and what it should perform at every week. And it hasn't been. And I I'm not gonna lie, I got really scared when Robert Quinn and Leighton Vanderish were out of the game because I'm like, all right, that's gonna completely change the dynamic. Like they and it, this is a game that you can't ever let up because this rivalry always goes back and forth. Um and it's it's scary the Leighton Vanderish injury to me was a little scarier than the Robert Quinn's because Leighton Vanderish has had neck problems before. That's why he wears that big neck roll on his pads. Um but it came down I can't remember who it was that came down on him, but they came down on the back of his head, so it pushed him his chin into his chest, mm-hmm. and uh, it just didn't look well. You you don't ever want anybody to get hurt, but if they're going to, you want it to be in this position where you had a Sunday night game, you have the bye week, and you, you got a lot of time to rest up before your next matchup. That, and um, thanks to the defense, they did a really good job of setting up the offense. Um, last week I had mentioned that the Cowboys were dead last in drives starting on the opposing side of the field because they haven't had any at all this year. And then in this game, they got four. So they And their were... first two drives started in, in Eagles territory, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was just, um, you know, that was just really good. That was just really good defense overall. Like, that was a, as great of a game as Zeke and Dak and Amari had. Like, this was really a game where we... You know, we're able to seal the deal on defense. I mean, just in the two fumbles in the first quarter, we built up enough points that um, you know was more than what Philly had total. And so, like, yeah. It, and then on the on the season, I think the the stat was that on the season we had five takeaways weeks one through six, and then in the first half or in the first three quarters last night we had four. Like that, yeah. it's a testament to the health of our team. Once when we're really really like fully healthy at 100% health there's nothing there's nobody that we can't hang with i'm not going to say we can't we can beat every single person but we're in the game all the time when we're healthy because our line was healthy tyron smith the best left tackle in the game arguably easily top 2 and lyle collins were both back those are the two two of the best tackles in the game and we were missing them against the jets like i said no excuses there we still lost but it's a huge, huge difference. Amari Cooper was back at full health. It looked like Randall Cobb was back. It, when you're at full health, this team can hang with anybody, and I loved it. And on defense, Demarcus Lawrence finally got started. Demarcus Lawrence finally got to the quarterback. He's the one that forced that first fumble, yeah. and he was just constantly in the backfield. And when we have that kind of pressure, 
it's not a cakewalk, but it, it just makes it a lot easier on both sides of the ball. And speaking to what we started off with about creativity in the offense, I mean, how how about that play where Blake Jarwin was completely wide open for that touchdown? Oh yeah, they had no chance. But but that's again, that was a play action. That was a play action call. That was where they faked the ball to the running back and then went. And here's my thing with that though: we're if that doesn't work, like we got. I'm not gonna say <laughs> we got lucky because they manufactured it that way for it to work that way. But if that doesn't work. The backlash and me, I'm not going to say that everybody else, me as a part of them would be down Jerry Jones's neck telling him to fire Jason Garrett because it's (laughs) it's third and one, it's fourth and one, you have Zeke, why don't you run it? Kellen Moore took a chance there. He he was creative about it and it worked beautifully. Blake Jarwin was, what, 15 yards away from the nearest defender? It was ridiculous. Completely duped him. Yeah. Just like in the formation, you can totally see, okay, they're all going to, like, this is blatantly obvious. They're all going to try to gang up on Zeke and then just left him completely wide open. It was- and that's what happens in a, in a rivalry like that. Like, there's, I, I hated the way that Doug Peterson guaranteed the, the win. But you have to assume, you have to think that, I, maybe not Jason Garrett, but Kellen Moore and and, uh, and Scott Leonard, well, not Scott Leonard, sorry. Kellen Moore and, and the rest of the of the offensive coaches had to have thought, all right, this guy is he's saying that he's setting a tone. Well, the tone that he's setting is he's being very obvious about how aggressive they're going to try to be, which means they're going to try and stack the box. They're going to want like no matter what, they're not going to let Zeke beat them. So that's going to open up the passing, the play action uh, grounds for us. So they knew that those runners were going to be stacking the box, being all up on the O lineman's face. Even with the with the Tavon Austin uh, touchdown, there was not one defender deep. They they were playing man. They were playing on the line. They were not going to let Zeke beat him. Now, Zeke is just too good a running back that if you give him the ball enough, he's going to get over 100 anyways. So it, it just did not work out in their favor. They came in way too hot, and, and they bit off more than they could chew with that one. And like you said with the play action, um, I, they finally got back to it. I, I just We never really got – a good explanation as to why they went away from it. I think in the first three games that they won, they were, you know, among the league leaders in play in play action, um, you know, in play action calls. And then in the three that we lost, they were among the bottom. And now they, you know, they're back on top. And you know, for good reason, for they using that again and for good reason, especially considering that when you see that they played against the Vikings. And Kirk Cousins absolutely lit them up in the play action. I was hoping that this would be the game that they finally bring it back, and they did, which was really nice to see. Yeah, and I think the we got you got to kind of credit that because I I was of that mindset too. Like we need a we need to give it to Zeke more. That way we can do the play action more. That way we can fool them. We can scare them and stuff. But in the three games that we lost, I don't believe that we were ever ahead as much as we were in the first three games that we won. So that. Like when you're behind, it's and Dak Prescott said it in his in his post com, in his post game conference too is we finally got off to a good start like a fast start because when you start from behind obviously we can't run it we have to throw it so if I'm down ten fifteen points or like twenty the way that we were to the to the Packers they don't they're not going to be fooled they they know we're not going to run it like we can fake it all day but they know we're not going to run it. we have to throw the ball mm-hmm, so right. it it affects Zeke's games Zeke's, Zeke's stats Tony Pollard. It affects the and then it affects the receivers because they're gonna be locked down. They know that we're not we cannot run. We had no other choice. So <laughs> when you start the game as we did this week, when the defense comes in 
and makes their stops the way that they should, um, that really, really opens the entire playbook for, for Kellen Moore to, to start getting creative with those calls the way that he was in the beginning half of the season. And in this game, it's really hard to tell um, what pitfalls really that were exposed in this game because everything went so well. The only thing that I can really think of is the multiple flags that we got that led to their only touchdown. They got they were called, I think. Um, oh yeah, we gave them thirty yards on two plays. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that was the only thing really is I I don't know what you chalk that up to discipline. I guess I have no clue what exactly you need to how you need to instruct your team to not, you know, get caught in penalties anymore. But, I mean, that was the only thing, really. And, you know, at that point, we're just, you know, we're just looking for problems because even if we do get that stop, like that was one touchdown. You get that stop and they only score three points. I mean, that's just, you know, 100% a perfect game. And we haven't even brought up Brett Maher yet, who, you know, did not play his best game whenever I was shitting on him. I think it was last week. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and now he, what was it, a 63-yard field goal? And 63-yarder, it was calculated that he could have made it from 66. And now he's the only kicker in history with three field goals of 60-plus. Like, yeah, and the longest in Cowboys history. Period. That was the longest one, period. Yeah, he has the top three longest distance field goals in Cowboys history, followed by Billy Cundiff and then Dan Bailey. And uh, speaking of, Dan Bailey missed uh, chip shot in, oh, in Minnesota. Yeah, this week. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that. Oh, that sucks yeah, right it did. So, yeah, I mean, it was everybody really all around played well. <laughs> to to speak about the penalties, that the first one, which was roughing the passer, it was legitimate roughing the passer, but it wasn't like it was a legitimate call. It wasn't a, like a foul where you could get angry at Jalen Smith for doing it because what Jalen Smith did was he was coming around, his right arm got free, and he's coming at an at an arc to try and still get Carson Wentz. He knows he's probably he doesn't have enough body to take him down, but he threw his right arm up and across the body to try and block the pass. Mm-hmm. But when the pass went, his arm came down and it hit Wentz on the yeah, shoulder was, and on the helmet. He was just outside the threshold of what would have been an okay call. Yeah, exactly. So that that one you really can't blame him for. The next one I think was illegal hands, hands to the face or something. That one, yeah, you definitely gotta you gotta get after. But I mean, all in all, great performance. Uh, I'm hoping that after the bye week we don't get too cold and we come back because we got uh, the Giants next, and I think we're gonna be uh, in the Meadowlands, so it's gonna be cold up there. We don't want to we don't want to go in there with a with our heads too high and then and then end up losing to a division rival. What are you talking about? The Cowboys are back. <laughs> Let's just call it 20-plus 20, 20 point victory. Let's just call it right now. Danny Dimes ain't 20, got nothing. 2020 Super Bowl champs. Let's just call it that. Exactly. You know, we're back. This is 100% proof. Me- meanwhile, Danny Dimes over there got carved up by Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Yeah, about the Danny Dimes bandwagon. It's just... <laughs> I'm not yeah, s- I think you have some road rash from how fast he jumped off of that. Yeah, say, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm off of it, but I'm open to selling if anybody's looking to buy. So. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a guy in my league today this morning. He was like, "Danny Dimes is about to get the the axe." Like, I trusted him, and he just shit the bed <laughs> for three weeks straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Well, so we'll see. Maybe next year we'll see. Yeah, but that I mean that in the NFC East that we're. Make no mistake about it. It's still a really tough division. We still have to see the Eagles one more time, and this time we'll be at their house. And it'll be at the end of the season. So 
keep an eye on that division. It's it's going to be up and down. And then even more if we – I don't want to even jinx it, but even more if we lose to the Giants because then they're going to be right back in the running as well. Um, but the Eagles have the Bills next, so hopefully that's another L for them. And we have rest before we get the Giants. So another team in the NFC but down in the south – is uh, the New Orleans Saints? What do you make of their record? They're five and one without Drew Brees. Yeah, they completely blew our expectations out of the water. We were oh yeah, we were here saying that like as long as they make it to five hundred, they'll be okay when Drew Brees comes back. Yeah, <laughs> and now we have Bridgewater out here completely destroying. And well, and 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 to be fair, give credit to the rest of the to the rest of the team too because it's not completely on offense. Which is um, right. something that I wanted to bring up later when we talk about another quarterback we're going to talk to is that Bridgewater doesn't need to save the Saints, and so he they yeah. have they have other position they have other position strength, so that way he they're not they're not counting on him. It's not do or die. If Bridgewater doesn't have a perfect game, then they then they lose. They won thirty six twenty five over the Bears. And coming up next, they have the Cardinals, Falcons, and Buccaneers, which are all winnable games. Yes. And and you, and but then again, like we said, you know, with with Breeze out, he may be coming back. We were just reading now that they're expecting him to be back for next week, and so it looks like it's possible that the Teddy Bridgewater experiment for this year is already over. But it seems like it would have been a huge success already. Just like if if there's a, I mean, I don't know when the trade deadline is, or maybe this is something they're gonna have to revisit over the summer. But a team who's looking for a quarterback should probably be calling New Orleans. Oh, and I think they will be. Um, so before this season started, I think it was right after last season, uh, Teddy Bridgewater was – I think he's he was going – he was a free agent, and the Dolphins were looking at him. Yeah. And he, he was about to leave to the Dolphins, and then it just turned out that he changed his mind and he stayed with the Saints. And so I, I got to talking to some of my friends about it at the time when it was happening, and I have to assume that the conversation between he and Sean Payton uh, – between him and Sean Payton went – a little like, look, Teddy, you can either go to Miami and start or back up Tannehill or Fitzpatrick, because Tannehill was still there, I think, uh, and back up Tannehill. <laughs> or you can stay in New Orleans where you're not going to start, but you're going to sit behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and you'll learn from him. That's got to be because Miami was offering him more money. That that has to be the only reason for the only logical reason for him to stay would be Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And it's obviously worked out for him because he is balling out this year. It's crazy. Yeah, I have nothing against players wanting to get their paycheck. I mean, I would have t- completely understood if he went to Miami, but I think, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he, t- I mean, he took the gamble and he saw that Miami was just setting themselves up for this tank job, and in New Orleans he wouldn't have had nearly the opportunity as he would in Miami. But, you know, he's going to be in a better environment where he can actually, you know, learn from a competent quarterback, nonetheless, nonetheless one of the best quarterbacks in history. And, um, you know, it, I mean, it paid off. There's nothing else to say about it. I mean, he got his I mean, he got his lucky break with the with the breeze injury and he's made the most of it. Yeah. And I think that's just it's it's so it's it's so scary what's about to happen when Drew Brees comes back, because. <laughs> Let's not let okay. So yeah, Teddy Bridgewater's balling out, whatever. But they played against one of the top five defenses in the league this week, without Drew Brees and without Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara did yeah. not play one snap. He was hurt. They went with Latavius Murray. Also without Jared Cook, who's not a huge difference, but he is a good tight end. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So without three of their 
of their main, main starters, they went up against an, a top five defense and slaughtered them. Like, just made it look easy. They're putting and, up 36 on them. That's not easy against yeah. Chicago. Yeah, exactly. And and then now we're talking, Sean Payton saying that the aim is for Drew Brees to be back on Sunday against the Cardinals. The Cardinals? Drew Brees <laughs> is going to tear them apart. He really He's going to come back. And I honestly don't see them. If they haven't struggled at all without without him, I don't see them struggling for the rest of the season. Like, dude, you're about to get one of the goats back. Oh, my God. They're, I have to say I would love it. I would love it. love it if the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl, obviously. I'm not saying that they're going to be just because they won a game. I'm not saying that. I'm saying ideally for me it would be them in the Super Bowl. But I honestly think – and it, it's been a long time coming. Drew Brees has to meet Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. It's got to happen. It mm-hmm. was supposed to happen last year. They got robbed. The year before that, they got fucking robbed by Stephon Diggs. <laughs> Drew Brees has been knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. He's about to come back with a vengeance. I, I believe it. Are they the favorite right now to come out of the NFC? They're about to be. They If they're not, they should be. At 5-1 and one without him? When he comes back, they should absolutely be the favorite in the NFC. Well, I know. It's probably right now the favorite's probably the Niners, just because statistically they're unbeaten. Which actually would be pretty cool too. Jimmy Garoppolo against Drew Brees. Yeah. I mean against Drew Brees, against uh Tom Brady. Yeah, there's that too. The understudy and the teacher. That would be that would be great. Okay. No, but what I wanted to bring up too was um the quarterback that I wanted to um compare the New Orleans situation to was Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes now expected to be out for three weeks or so um and the point that I brought up with Bridgewater and saying that he doesn't need to save the Saints Pat Mahomes does need to save the Chiefs you know because I I don't think that they could go on a streak like New Orleans has without Pat Mahomes their backup is Matt Moore and um he's who is that who matt moore (laughs) yeah it's no no i'm just saying no one no one knows like who who the hell come on yeah exactly and so it's not only that but i mean patrick mahomes i mean it's hard to replace patrick mahomes period like i don't know what backup you need to to fill in his shoes but you need somebody especially Especially on an Andy Reid team, you need somebody with the kind of composition of Pat Mahomes, someone who's more athletic and mobile, and Matt Moore doesn't fit that because Andy Reid, it looks um, just, you know, looking up his history with different quarterbacks and his philosophies on offense is that he's never really emphasized having a strong offensive line protection because he's always had quarterbacks that can maneuver their ways out of it. He had... Pat Mahomes, he had Donovan McNabb, he had Michael Vick. You can even put Alex Smith in that category. Mm-hmm. And um, here's a here's a fun here's a fun fact. Matt Moore, how many? Are you familiar with Matt Moore's history? I uh, know. I think he may have played for the Bears one time or the Dolphins. I don't know. I've only heard his name a few times. He's been around the league for a while, but he um, has always been like a second string, third string. Um, for someone who's going to be replacing Pat Mahomes, Matt Moore has not had a, a rushing attempt of 10 or more yards since 2011. 
He has three. <laughs> he, he has three career runs of ten yards or more, and the most recent one was in 2011. And Matt three Mo- three career runs of ten yards or more. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And um, and he wasn't supposed to be in this position either, because their primary backup was Chad Henney, but then he broke his ankle in the preseason. And so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and so now we got this guy who's kind of like a, um, shoot, kind of like in a Luke Falk situation where this you got this guy coming out of nowhere who you just got to put out there because he's the next man up. And the, Yeah, that's actually the perfect comparison, and that's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just it worries me, too, because with Pat Mahomes, he, you know, as he's one of the best passers if not the best passer in the league but you know his mobility is a is a major factor for his capabilities and even if, when he comes back from this injury you know i don't know if you want to bring him back as soon as possible or do you want to if it takes four or five games to let him rest and be back to 100 percent, do you take that risk I mean the only, I mean they're they're most likely still going to win the division I mean the most their their challenger in the division is uh the Raiders but I don't think that the Raiders have enough to overcome that and beat them for the first spot. But uh, yeah, that's so. That's where, and I'm gonna talk about that a little more um, in the next couple segments. But the 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 Chiefs the Chiefs rely on Pat Mahomes for everything for the for the passing game, for the running game, for the scramble game, and obviously from what you just told me right now. Matt Moore has absolutely no chance at running for a first down. It, like earlier this year, there was a highlight where Pat Mahomes decided that he had to scramble, and they they slowed the the replay down. And in the slow mo, you can see Pat Mahomes scrambling. And as soon as he starts scrambling, he turns around, and they zoom in on his face. He turns around and he stares the ref down, and then he turns back around and gets the first down, at from like eight or ten <laughs> yards out. They asked him about it afterwards. I don't know if we talked about it before or not, but they asked him about it afterwards, and he said, I was looking to see if there was a flag because if there was a flag, I wasn't going to run 50 yards down the field just to be brought all the way back. He's like, since there wasn't a flag, and he cut himself off, he's like, I knew I was going to get the first down no matter what. He's like, but if there was a flag, I didn't want to go that far, get called back. If there wasn't, then I'm going to get it. Like, I'm just going to go at it. He's like, I saw that there wasn't a flag, so I just hauled ass. Like, I, I went and got the first down. Nothing. Matt Moore's not going to bring that to the game. That's crazy so, fast thinking. You Right? All of that you think about in this in a split second when you're running away from 300-pound men. Like, mm-hmm. So Matt Moore, when he's in there, defenses are no longer going to be afraid of him scrambling. They're going to force him to throw because he has – yeah, he's got a running back by committee, but they're all mediocre or maybe bottom of the top tier. Like – they're not great running backs. There's no one that you really fear back there. Uh, Damian Williams, I think is his last name. Um, Damian Williams, Darren Williams, LaShawn McCoy is probably their biggest threat right now. Um, they're just they're just not somebody to be afraid of. And and without that, the same way that it's been affecting the Cowboys, without that run game, you're not going to be able to throw. They're going to force Matt Moore to go downfield. And these receivers are built for downfield passes. Like the, the receiving core is full of speedsters. They drafted Miko Hardman, which is a, a second Tyreek Hill. And then they have uh, Robinson. And I don't even know if Simon Watkins is hurt or not, but I know he goose egged in fantasy this week. 
But um, they're built to go downfield, and they're built to to uh, scramble and create plays, and none of that is is anything that Matt Moore can do. So the Chiefs are in trouble. The AFC East, or the, I'm sorry, the AFC period should be on notice, and they will be watching the Chiefs games closely, especially this week because they look like they're about to drop their first game without Pat Mahomes. They got Aaron Rodgers coming to town, so they're already starting off on the wrong foot. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to pull up their schedule now. They got, they're got they at home against the Packers, home against the Vikings. After that, they got, they're got they on the road against Tennessee and the Chargers. And then, then they got a bye week. And I would hope by then that would definitely be enough time to get patch, to get Mahomes back because then after that they play against the Raiders and then they go to New England. Yeah, exactly. It's not – it is not not looking good. They, they – they're going to set it up, and I feel like this is exactly, almost exactly what I said about Teddy Bridgewater, and I was completely wrong, but for this time, for <laughs> real, they have to go at least 500, and it's going to be tough because mm-hmm. the Raiders are nipping at their heels, and um, and if they lose that, and the, and the AFC is the weaker conference of the two, but if they lose that, there are teams that are already up there ready to go in their own division really because it's not just the Raiders the Chargers have all the talent they just haven't gotten it together so the Chargers could also leapfrog them um, if they don't be careful so you don't want to rush it because you don't want to ruin your quarterback but if you're Andy Reid you went into this season and the buzz was that you were going to be in the Super Bowl at the very least you were going to be in the AFC Championship so it's going to be hard to not necessarily toss that out, but to kind of not listen to the noise and just hope for the best mm-hmm. um, because they're going to be eager to bring him back and to fulfill those expectations. I don't think anybody's going to blame them if they don't, but if they do and then fail at it, Andy Reid could be possible on the hot seat as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like we've already said multiple times, this is a team that relies on Patrick Mahomes. Like, there's, there's no way, there's no way around it. They can't. They just have to hope to survive without him. And uh, I mean, for New Orleans, I mean, they were able to show off their other features of the team. You know, they they weren't relying heavily on Bridgewater. I just, I don't think that that's going to be the case with Kansas City. I think they just need to hope that they can get through in decent shape by the time Mahomes gets back. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think this is this spells a lot, a lot of trouble for for the Chiefs. All right, how'd you do in fantasy this week, Hector? I got back in the W. Call. Actually, hold on, I don't want to speak too early. We still have the <laughs> Monday night game. Oh yeah. But I'll put it this way: we're going into the Monday night game. I'm up by two points. My opponent has Sony Michelle playing, and I have Tom Brady and James White playing. So okay, so yeah. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I got the W again. Say, barring <laughs> a catastrophe. <laughs> Yeah, barring some ridiculous oh god, I hope not. But <laughs> if everything goes how it should go, I'll be back in fourth place from going down to seventh last week. Yeah. So it you know, it's not it's not going too bad. Not too bad. Well, I caught a fucking dud this past weekend. I I mean you, I, Oh no, really? Yeah, yeah. Right I mean right now me and my right now me and my opponent are tied, but he has Tom Brady playing tonight, so that's, oh yeah, that, that's that's pretty much. <laughs> oh, so it. you want you basically want me to lose because <laughs> that, that means that you could you could salvage your your tie. You know that's not going to happen. I'm already moving mm-hmm. forward with the loss, but man, it just everything. It just I just kept getting hit left and right. I mean, with Matt Ryan who got completely blown out by the by the Rams, thirty seven. They also lost thirty seven to ten. 
Yeah, the Falcons are. Oh, and we, but you said recently, no, that Dan Quinn was the next guy to go. Yeah, he's pro- he probably is gonna go. Like unless, yeah, he, like I, I don't know who they're playing against next week. But if they don't, let me see here. Let me pull that up real quick. Um, they're playing. Oh shit, they're playing Seattle next week. So, oh yeah, no, they, he's leaving. He's out. <laughs> yeah, he's got to be gone after that one. And are then, they playing at home? Uh, let's see, at home. Uh, yeah, they are. Oh my god, he's gonna lose at home, and then they're gonna get. <laughs> He's going to get the boot. Yeah, and then I had Gallup, who did not really do much in the game against Philly yesterday. And then I had uh, Mike Williams on the Chargers, who didn't do much for me either. And then I had one of my starting running backs is Karrion Johnson from the from the Lions, who wasn't carrying shit this past week because he, he, <laughs> he left the game after five carries with a knee injury. So just all, wow. of, yeah, all of that combined. And then, I mean, even though he had a shitty game too, I would have been in the mix if I had started Trubisky over over Ryan. But who would have seen, who would have seen that coming? <laughs> yeah, no one, no one would have done that. There's not a single person that starts him over Ryan. I, for the third week in a row, had a plus thirty point player on my bench. Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> who was it this time? But but this time it was logical. It was Jacoby Brissett. I, I mentioned oh, okay. last week that I just picked him up for the tenth week. I'm o- I'm only picking him up to stash him. So he drops 36. Kind of sucks because I'd be up by a lot more. But I got Tom Brady coming up. So I'm, I got to assume that against the Jets, Tom Brady will probably put up similar numbers. So yeah. it'll be all right. Yeah, but same. my top performer, this – I'm see, I'm in a pickle. I – and this is – if any of y'all have this this uh, situation going on, let me know. But I have both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Um, and, and my other running back was Nick Chubb, who uh-huh. was on a bye week. So I had no choice but to start both of them. So I was like, you know what? That's fine, whatever. You can kind of rely on both of them to at least be kind of involved in there. Um, Melvin Gordon got the the uh, the majority of the touches in passing and running. He got a touchdown, which saved him because I think he ended up dropping like 15 points or something like that. Um, no, he had 12 points. Austin Eckler comes out of the gate and drops 27 points as the backup running back. So if you have <laughs> Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler – I honestly would still be okay with starting both of them, one of them in the flex and, and then one of them in the in the running back position. If for some reason your running back uh your running back position is, is severely lacking in in fantasy football in your lineup, then I would just start both of them in the running back position because I got thirty nine points out of both of them. That's a easy nineteen point average. That's that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I was about to say worst. I mean, worst case scenario, you're getting all of the running offense from that team, which is not a yeah. which is not a bad position at all. As you know, yeah, and then you don't have to worry. You're not sitting at uh, third and goal on the one yard line. You're not worrying who are they going to give it to. Like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, you got yeah. the points anyway. Yeah, they're going to one or the other. So, I mean, it, I mean, it's not a bad strategy. I mean, yeah, I would say go for it. I actually like that strategy a lot. Yeah. So, and then we, I get Nick Chubb back. I actually traded for James White because I feel like against the Jets, James White is going to get those goal line carries instead of Sony Michelle. So I really only traded for James White so that I could trade him, so that he could have a good <laughs> game this week, and then I'll trade him for a, a top receiver. Because my receivers were kind of boo-boo this week. Cortland Sutton got 14 points, which is whatever. That's what he was expected to get. My What I liked is that he got all the targets um, for the Broncos against Kansas city. So that's good. The Broncos are going to have to be passing for the majority of their season. Cause they'll be playing from behind. The one that upset me again for the, and it was funny. I was sitting with, um, with Elise and I got a, a notification on my phone and she started laughing cause she saw it and it said, uh, it was an ESPN notification and it simply read 
Brandon Cooks continues to disappoint. <laughs> I, opened, <laughs> I opened it up, and yeah, sure enough, he got nine points for me this week. He blew it. Uh, Evan Ingram. The Arizona Cardinals are the worst team in the nation against the tight end. Evan Ingram is one of the top three tight ends in the league, and he dropped one point. Really? Yeah, he didn't get crap. They had the Giants had a had one touchdown to the tight end, but it was for Rhett Ellison. And if you have to ask who, I completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> so Evan Ingram hopefully had a fluke of an off week. My Saints defense though did have eighteen points, so that was good. Yeah, yeah. There's um, that. But the main thing for me for fantasy going forward is Melvin Gordon, and I'm sure a lot of people have this kind of looming over them as. Who do I want? Or if I have Melvin, should I keep him? I think you absolutely need to keep Melvin Gordon right now for the simple fact that I don't think he's going to be a charger at the end of next week. I think he's going to get traded. And mm. if they trade him, it's looking like it's looking like the Bills would be a suitable a suitable team for him. But really, any team that he goes to, if they trade for him, it's because they're looking for a starting running back. And if you keep him, like in my case, that's two reasons. There's two reasons why I have both of them is because one, they're handcuffs to each other. If one of them's hurt, the other one's gonna be great. But also because I've had offers for him. I've had offers for Eckler. I've had offers for Gordon. I've had offers for both of them. I don't want to let them go because I firmly believe that Melvin Gordon is gonna be traded. They have no reason to keep him. He's gonna go in the off season anyways. They're gonna lose him for nothing. That's what I, I was gonna say. That for for a star running back like Gordon, who's gonna be a free agent. That has to take a hit on his trade value. So, like, what should be the expected return for a player who may only play a half season for whoever he's traded to? No, well, they're not. I don't think they're going to trade him to a team that thinks they'll only keep him for a half season. I think they're going to trade him to a team that has salary cap, that has no running back, like the Bills. They have Frank Gore and Devin Singletary, but Devin Singletary will be on a rookie deal, so they don't. he's not biting into their into their uh, salary cap and yeah. Frank Gore is about to kick the bucket. So someday he's got to retire. <laughs> yeah. He's got to retire sooner or later. <laughs> so I think they're going to trade them, trade him to a team that needs him. And that has the money to keep him. Not somebody that thinks that he's going to leave in the off season. Um, and I don't think they're going to do wrong by him. I think they'll let him go, but they have to, another thing is that he is not producing. He's not producing much. So they have to give him away while they still can. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and the trade deadline for, the NFL is October 29th. Oh, okay. so yeah. So, and then in, in my league, particularly our trade deadline is November 6th. So hopefully none of those guys are listening to this episode because <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to let the NFL trade line trade deadline go. And if he's not traded, then I'm thinking about unloading him. But for yeah. now you got You have to keep him and just cross your fingers and hope that he goes somewhere else. All right. So what you got is the game of the week next week. I have, I also will have you know that the la- my last two games of the week were fucking spot on. They were really <laughs> good games. It was the uh, Texans and the Chiefs and then the Lions and the Vikings. Um, this week, I really am not too excited about any of the matchups this week. Um, but I am, not for skill not for skill set, but strictly for positioning, I think my game of the week is going to be the Raiders and the Texans. And we talked about this earlier. The Raiders are only a game behind the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have the Packers coming to town you got to assume that the Chiefs are going to take an L there. The Raiders and John Gruden are going to play for the lead of the division. And the Texans are just are coming off a loss against uh, Jacoby Brissett and the Colts where they stacked the box and forced Jacoby to throw the ball. 
They stacked the box. They weren't about to let Marlon Mack go off on them. Jacoby just went to town. If the Raiders get Tyrell Williams back, they now have Zay Jones. They have Hunter Renfro. They have Darren I Am The Walrus Waller. They have a really good receiving core if Derek Carr can get it together. And on top of that, Josh Jacobs is not somebody that you're just going to – he's not a pushover. Like Just because you stack the box doesn't mean that he's going to be afraid to run. I think that's going to be a very pivotal matchup in the AFC because just as much as the Raiders need it to take their division, the Texans lost to a division rival. So they really need a win to get back in the win column because you have to also assume that the Colts are going to win. I think the Colts are playing – I can't remember who they're playing, but they're playing a team that's not not very good. Um, so it's two teams that have a lot on the line, especially the Raiders, though, because uh, they need to take advantage of the time that, that the Chiefs will be without Pat Mahomes. So my game of the week this week has got to be the Raiders and the Texans. Okay, well, I'm going to throw one into the mix because I was looking ahead at next week. And uh, I think the game of the week next week is going to be the game in which San Francisco will finally lose. Against the Panthers? Against the Panthers. Oh, I like that. I like that. You, They're 6-0. and no. We have to, at, at a certain point, we have to um, wonder if it's legit or not. But then you also think about the fact that second to the Patriots, they've had the easiest schedule in the league. And yes, they're, they're, yes. They're, Second to the only other undefeated team. Yeah, yeah. And so um, then they're coming off a, a 9-0 win against the Redskins, which, I mean, for the Redskins, that, that goes on a that, – that's on a curve. If you win 9-0 to zero against the Redskins, you're, you're really winning by a field goal or something. Yeah, <laughs> may, if that, if that. <laughs> yeah, and so – and another reason why I thought this would be an interesting game is because they are at – a split in the road that, if history indicates, is a very, very important game for them because since they realigned the divisions in 2002, teams who went 7-0, and the worst that they have gone is 11-5. and And half of those teams went to the Super Bowl. But for teams who lost that game and went 6-1... and they there has been since then there had the worst that a team has gone is eight and eight since that time. Wow. So if history is if history is any indicator, this could be the game. This could be the game to decide whether or not their record is legit or not. And so yeah. and, I mean, even if they lose, they're going to be six and one, still really good. But this is you know this. I mean, and we're also halfway through the season, so I think this is sort of starting to get to the point where we can start taking things a little more seriously. And I think it's going to come against the Panthers because a couple interesting. Well, one, they're coming off their bye weeks. They're going to be rested up and probably well, going rested, to be yep. probably going to be the toughest opponent San Francisco has faced thus far. And also, they are averaging. Let me see here. Last year, they were 27th in the league in sacks, 35 total. This year already, they have 27, averaging 4.5 a game. And if they keep that pace up, they will actually tie the record set by the 84 Bears for sacks in a season. The best defense? Wow. Well, that's – that's and this this is all on the shoulders of – it was a Nick or Joey? I think it's Joey Bosa. Yeah, yeah. That's in, that's in San Francisco. Yeah, man. I mean, if – I, I wait, feel wait, bad wait. because I've – No, this is for uh, – this is for the Panthers. The Panthers are averaging that much. Oh, the Panthers are averaging that much. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so it's not all on McCaffrey. 
No, it's not. But it, but a lot of it will be, and it's and I'm not afraid of that. McCaffrey is running like a like a beast this year. Like he is outpacing everybody. He's doing crazy. He's definitely uh, the not. The, he's definitely the best non quarterback with an MVP case thus far. Yes, absolutely. And did you see what uh, Todd Gurley said when they when they talked about his yards? No. Uh, somebody had said uh, Christian McCaffrey has more yards this year. It, it was like two weeks ago. It said Christian McCaffrey has more rushing yards this year than Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott combined. And then Todd Gurley replied, and he was like, "Man, keep my name out of this. Like that, <laughs> that dude, I, that dude is on another level right now. He's running like a beast. Like, he like really big is. ups to Todd Gurley for for showing that respect. But yeah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting battle in the trenches. And to be honest with you, when I was thinking about game of the week, it came down to those two games. I just didn't I didn't know which one to pick. I really really like Bosa off the line, so I think i gotta give him the edge there i also am just not sold on kyle allen yet but maybe it's just because i'm such a big cam newton fan yeah me neither i think the conversation about whether allen or newton should start is completely stupid cam yeah cam has to it's it should be no question at all if anything any of these guys i mean it's been a trend this episode of talking about quarterbacks who have been filling in and trying to you know survive until their replacements come back in kyle allen is probably i mean I mean, he he has been doing fine, but I would say he's definitely more of a Matt Moore than he is a Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I believe so too. Yeah, so he's been he's been he's really had the benefit of being on a Panthers team who has done such a good job of setting him up. They had the second most they had the second most points off of turnovers. They averaged the best starting field position, and. Um, and, oh, so he's a phony. Yeah, and and another <laughs> and a couple of other things too that people are kind of sweeping under the rug is that he's already lost six fumbles so far this year, and he his best games have been against Arizona and Tampa Bay, who have horrible passing defenses, and their worst games were against Jacksonville and Houston, who have averaged a good passing defenses. Yeah. Wow, that is interesting. So that being said, who was your pick for the winner of your game of the week? Oh, easily Panthers. I say Panthers by ten. By ten? Wow. Yeah. All right. I think uh I think I'd gotta go um Yeah, you know what? I'm going I'm going Panthers as well. <laughs> I think the Panthers win, but I think it's by less than six. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can, they win by three to five. I can see that. San Francisco also has a really good defense. They could be the one to show that Kyle Allen the jig is up, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Basketball talk now. NBA season is back Tuesday night. The first game, 7 o'clock on TNT, Pelicans and Raptors. Fortunately, no Zion, so we're gonna, we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, I wanted to do some quick-hitting news about um, extensions because this year was the, um, well, today actually, was the deadline for extensions from players from the... Um, what was it 2015 class i think 2015 or 2016 class right and um for us the one that matters the most is dejounte murray signing four years 64 million dollar deal man holy shit that is a steal of a deal. isn't it fuck yeah it's gonna end up being such a great deal he's making only three million more than patty mills like this is nuts yeah i can't believe I, I'm, I'm honestly i can't believe he i'm grateful for it but i can't believe he accepted that yeah, I guess he thought from his sense that, you know, all the signs lead to him having a major bounce back here, but just in case he doesn't, he might as well have some money locked up. That's true. It's fully guaranteed? 
Yeah, yeah. And so, and not only not only just individually is that a really good deal, but this is exactly the kind of thing that will set us up for some good cap space in the future. Because usually when your corner, when usually whenever you are on the free agent market and you have your cornerstone players on the team already, they're making anywhere between like twenty-five to nearly forty million dollars. And for a guy like Murray, who's going to be making sixteen, like this, this is such a good deal. And this is this is this is like a well, like maybe ten percent of the cap space that he's going to be eating up. And so I think with that in mind, we're we're. I mean, this is just a major steal right off the bat, and it also sets them up very well to, you know, negotiate with the other guys whenever their extensions come up, and also make some players in free agency to come as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then other players that I wanted to bring up, other extensions that have come through today or since last week, um, Jalen Brown from the Celtics. Okay, like, let's hit them one by one and see what your reaction is. Jalen Brown, four years. 103 guaranteed million dollars. It could be up to 115. That's a wow. shitload. That's a shitload what? of Jalen Brown. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I think it could pay off if everything breaks right for him and he meets his potential. But man, that is a lot of money to give to a guy who's still fighting for touches on a Celtics team that is going to be valuing guys like Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward more. Like, yeah. this is. That's a lot of money. And so, I mean, I think he is worth that, but I don't know about him Boston. Is he the only one coming up recent or coming up like lately with the with the contract? Because I, I feel like Jason Tatum's got to be up there too, no? Soon. He, it, yeah, his extension comes next year. And they they already wow. got they already got Kemba on a max, they got Hayward on a max, and then they got Jalen on what I think is a near max, and then they got Jason Tatum coming up next year. So this is basically the core. You know, these past, like, few years that we've been talking about all their assets that they can use to get star players mm-hmm. and whatever, like, that came and went, and now this is the core of the Celtics for the years to come. Like, this is what they've been waiting for. Like, this is the team. Yeah, they've gotten their team. So that means they, they have to be looking to do a rental deal with Al Horford, be one and done with him? No, I remember Al Horford is gone. He's in Philly now. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. But who's their who's – their, uh, who's who did they get? Cantor. Oh, that's right, Ennis Cantor. Oh, well, he won't be too expensive. Yeah, no, he's a journeyman. He'll, he's not, you know, going to be getting that much. I think it's just like a one-year deal anyway. Yeah. All right, ne- next up, Buddy Heald, Sacramento, four years, ninety-four million guaranteed. It could be up to a hundred and six. Did you see how much shit he was talking about Sacramento in the past week? I did, but he was talking like he was talking about how he was underappreciated. Is that correct? Yeah, because I think his yeah. initial offer was like eighty-eight million or something like that, <laughs> and he was basically saying like this is a straight-up insult, just like, like bas- saying in the media that he they need to learn how to take care of their guys. Like he almost word for word said that this is a team that does not get major free agents, and so they need to take care of their own guys. Basically, calling out the team for how shitty they've been doing in free agency, which well, is so- see, and then he I'm gets a- paid for it. I see. That's what I I, I kind of get. Like, yeah, it's not a big market. Not a lot of people want to go to Sacramento, but also, and I like Buddy Hield. I liked him in college. I I liked him coming in. He was with the Pelicans before he was with the Kings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I liked him. I haven't watched him too religiously, obviously. But but what have you really done? Like you've 
you've led the team maybe, but not to the playoffs. You yeah. haven't really put them in a position where they need to give you a hundred million dollars. Like, I don't understand. I understand the whole small market. You need to take care of your guys, but you're acting like you just led them to their first playoff berth in ten years. Like you didn't do that. Yeah, this is this mm-hmm. is this is the time to show it now. Just I mean, he got he got his money. I mean, he scores a lot, but we got to see him still take it to another level because this is a lot of money to devote to him. And yeah. you know, like with like with Boston, I mean, the Kings are slowly starting to piece together the core that they're hoping will stick together for the next five plus years or so. It's going to be Fox. It's going to be Heal. It's going to be Bagley. They already signed Harrison Barnes to a long term deal. And so I think this this is pretty much the Kings team too, and they got to rely on internal development to lead them into the playoffs, which I don't think is going to be this year, but we'll see. Could be. Could and be then, in the future. And then my boy Pascal Siakam gets the five year max deal, one hundred thirty million dollars for Pascal Siakam, worth oh, every oh, penny. No, worth, it's not worth every <laughs> Canadian penny. <laughs> I think they call them loonies and toonies. <laughs> uh, straight, straight up, that's what they call them. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I mean, he kind of, the Raptors kind of had to do it because they have no clue where their direction of the team is going to be going once they're past Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. Like Pascal Siakam is the guy of the future. Like he's going to be the guy that you hope is on the team for like ten plus years. And so, and this locks him up for four more at a max deal. And so, I mean, I, th- I mean, I've already said multiple times on this podcast. I think he's going to be worth it. I think he's going to have another breakout year, and he's going to, and he's going to be, a, you know, a consecutive All Star player to come. Wow, I'd like to see that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, next one kind of took a dump on whatever on the trade uh, conversations that I was having yesterday, or no, last week. Bradley Beal re-signs with the Wizards, two years, $72 million. Um, Good God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, I mean, it works out for both sides. Bradley Beal gets his money, $36 million, and he's he also sets himself up to where after this deal is over with, he will, be, he will have served his 10 years in the league, which means that he would be eligible for the Supermax if he meets the requirements for it. And for the Wizards, they hold on to their only player that's good on their team. So, and so, so, what's the difference between a max and a super max? A super max, you have to either be the only way to be eligible for a super max is that you have to win um, MVP. I think it's you have to win MVP once within the previous years of your last contract like in the three years leading up to free agency you either have to be MVP or um, be voted to an all NBA team twice Wow! I think something like that there's like specific requirements that are like really high up there that you need to be eligible for the Supermax to do And so, I so think- you have to either be a, a super baller or just been like done your time yeah yeah Okay. And it's only eligible for players who have uh, played for 10 years. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then um, the last guy was uh, DeMontis Sabonis signing four years, $80 million for the Pacers, which I did not think was going to be happening because I saw some trade rumors about him. I was secretly kind of hoping that San Antonio could work their way through and pick him up because I think that he is a guy who, in the right situation, can be an all-star level player too. But they're sticking to their guns. They re-signed him. They're sticking with him and Miles Turner, Victor Oladipo. 
And, uh, I mean, this year, who knows, because you're still waiting on Oladipo to come back. And also, my dark horse. <laughs> <laughs> and also just his fit with Miles Turner, I don't think that they can work out as a front court together, at least a starting front court, but, I mean, we'll see. And real, and real quick, I want to say two players, notably, who did not get an extension. One, Brandon Ingram from the Pelicans. So he's going to be a restricted free agent next summer. He'll probably get a max from somebody because now that all these uh, players have re-upped with extensions, the the free agent market is very shallow next year. Like he, It's possible that he is the best player in free agency next year. And, wow. then, and then also, um, the Spurs' own Jakob Pertl. Did not get a contract extension. Looks like they're going to play that out. And um, I guess let's take a gamble on it and see if maybe maybe uh, any of the other guys can fill his shoes or maybe if they can sign him to a reasonable deal next year. I really hope – I love Jakob Pertl, but I really hope that that's not a guy that they're forced into overpaying next summer. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, actually, I really I really do too. Um, I was happy when we got him. I wasn't overjoyed, but I was happy when we got him. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't want to overpay at that position period really or unless it's a superstar and they like absolutely bona fide deserve it yeah yeah okay all right then okay so we're gonna use the rest of the segment to come up with our own predictions for the coming year and first one that we got up was rookie of the year which is basically two different sides of a coin you got zion williamson or anybody else really and mm-hmm. before today's news i thought that it was a sure thing zion but now He's going to be missing six to eight weeks as he just underwent surgery to repair a torn meniscus in his right knee. And um, I'm, I'm, this makes me a little worried for him because if you remember uh, in the last college season when he blew out his shoe, on that play was when he injured that same knee. And then he injures it again in preseason. Not on any particular play. I think he just... Um, I, I don't think that he, like, went out all of a sudden. I think he just ran through tests after a game or on an mm-hmm. off day, and they realized he tore his meniscus. And now that, um, I mean, it's going to come into question his weight and whether he really is, whether someone of his stature can really be successful in the league. Mm-hmm. And then if not, then the next um, rook, who are the next rookies to take his place as the award winner for the year? I mean, it, I mean the ones after that are probably R.J. Barrett from the Knicks or John Morant from the Grizzlies. Um, I don't know about any dark horses out there. Um, we got a Tyler Hero from Miami. You see him being a little shit talker for the Heat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got Tyler Hero, who people are really high on because, you know, he can light it up. And then, of course, you got Luka Shamanich. Oh hell yeah, dude! I would love. Oh my god, I would love. I didn't even think about him. So when you when when you when you first posed the question of Zion Williamson in the field, I was already gonna go with the field because not because of. Now this was before I knew that it was six to eight weeks for Zion. I was gonna go with the field because you have uh, John Morant, you have R.J. Barrett, who by the way, R.J. Barrett is my choice for if I had to put money down on who's gonna be rookie of the year. I think it's gonna be R.J. Barrett in New York. Um, but you have John, John Moran, R.J. Barrett. You got um, Jarrett Culver, the the Texas Tech Red Raider really going like to Minnesota. You what? I really like him a lot. Yes, me too. I, I really, really like him. I don't know how much he can get done in Minnesota. I do like the Timberwolves. I just don't – I don't know. Maybe it's just because I haven't seen him play. I haven't seen any of their preseason games. Uh, but I do like him. I like the way that he stretches the floor and he can play a couple of different positions. Um 
But there's just I, I there was no way that I was gonna go with Zion over the field. Just there's just a lot of talent in good in good spots that are coming in this year. Yeah, I think now with the, I mean I was gonna go with Zion before, and now with this news, I think not only just for the six to eight weeks, I feel like the the Pelicans should be a lot more careful with him. I think this pretty much rules them out of the playoff contention, and I think with that in mind, they should just you know take it easier on him and kind of just you know ease him ease him back into the season and um yeah i think and my choice is going to be john morant i really really like him a lot and i think he's going to get all the touches that he wants in memphis i think he's uh set up for for success over there well he's going to come in and instantly be the the hands down starter right because they got rid of uh mike Conley. yeah 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 Okay, all right, then next up that we had put down was Surprise Good Team. Who do you have as your Surprise Good Team? I don't care who says that I'm biased. I don't care who talks whatever shit you want. My Surprise Good Team is the San Antonio Spurs. They're going to be a lot better than anybody (laughs) thinks that they're going to be. I swear to you, they're going to come out and they're going to play the beautiful game and it's going to be awesome. They're just going to be younger. It's going to be the same (laughs) thing we've always seen, but a younger team. I can't wait to watch. Okay, so we know that they're already going to be better, but you say surprise good? Like, how big of a surprise? What, I have what, them surprise good team, and I'm going to explain that in a later question. In the in a later? Okay. All right, then. Yeah. Okay, cliffhanger here. Okay, yeah. so my my surprise good team, you drive a little bit up north. I'm going with Dallas as my surprise oh, good nice. team. Oh, my God. Chris stops. God. I, I hate to say it because he's been in a lot of um, off-the-court drama this summer. Mm-hmm. But, God damn, he looks really good in preseason. He look, like not only, not only does he have a shot back, does it look like he has his legs under him, but he's also way more built. Like, in New York, he was just skin and bones, and he's really, he's really packed on a lot of muscle in this, mm-hmm. what, like, year and a half that he's been out, basically. And, uh, of course, Luka Doncic is Luka Doncic. I'm always going to have faith in him. And I think they did a really good job of filling out their their role players. They got Boban. They got they got Seth Curry. They got all these guys. They got oh, a, that's right. They did get Boban. Yeah, they have, a, they have another point guard who um, is not very well known, who came from Memphis. His name is DeLon Wright, who I really, really like a lot um, as just like a key role player kind of guy. Um, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be right there towards the very end, like ninth, 10th seed. If they do make the playoffs, it'll be like 7th or 8th, and if they don't, I could see them missing it by just like a game or two. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. And I, I, don't mind the, I don't mind the Mavericks. I, you know, I'm obviously a diehard Spurs, but I like Dirk Nowitzki, and I, I respected him for a long time. And I like Mark Cuban. So I'm, I'm up for that. I hope the Mavericks are a little better than everybody expects. Did you see that on their court they have a silhouette of the Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway shot like the NBA logo now? That is awesome. Yeah. That, that is so appropriate. That's badass. <laughs> I, love, I love that. Okay. All right. Surprise bad team. Who you got? Surprise bad team. I You know what? And people might also say that I'm biased for this, but I'm going with the Los Angeles Lakers. They're going to be a lot worse mm. than you think that they're going to be. Okay. All right, then. And so what, what, are, you, what are your expectations of them, then? One of them is going to get hurt. I, 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 I don't wish injury upon anybody. But I just predicting prediction-wise, somebody's going to get hurt. Maybe it won't be for a long time, but it'll be at just the worst time that it could happen. 
Somebody's going to get hurt. The team is not as as deep as it should be, in my opinion. I think that they'll go in. I think they're projected right now the two to four seed or something like that in the playoffs. Um, I think that they go anywhere from six to eight. Okay. Okay. I can see that. They're the type of team that, you know, one injury can really send things spiraling for them. Yeah. Okay. And that's if they go, because I wouldn't be surprised if they don't go to the playoffs. But if they do, I, I, six to eight is their best. Okay. So, surprise bad team for me. Um, I'm taking quite a bit of a turnaround from whenever we spoke about them a few weeks ago. And I really wanted to make my bold prediction that they were going to miss the playoffs. I'm going to go my, my surprise bad team is the Warriors. Wow. I, they do not look good in, in the like they're really gonna need like I don't think that they make the playoffs unless Curry averages like thirty plus points a game and plays like the entire season. I don't see like he needs to be like unanimously the MVP for them to have a chance at making the playoffs, and it's gonna be really hard for them. Like their depth does not look good. Like it just doesn't, and I don't, I don't want, I don't count on. I don't want to count on Draymond Green, and he's going to bring everything that he does on defense, but they're going to be crippling for offense. D'Angelo Russell, I mean, he's, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell, he's really, he's really good. He's a very, very great offensive player. Doesn't bring you anything on defense. With a Curry, I mean, Curry is not a bad defender either, but he's not great. With a Curry-Russell backcourt, like, perimeter players are going to light them up on a nightly basis. Like, it's mm-hmm. going to be really hard for them to defend. Like, Draymond Green is really going to have to be the anchor of that group. And, like, every, it seems more and more like a lot of things have to break right for them to do well to succeed, and I don't see it happening. I think, I think the reasonable expectation for them should be anywhere between, like, 7th and ninth seed. Wow, okay. I didn't see that. I thought you were going to say the Raptors. <laughs> Why would you say that? Did you just... You know, you know who they have on their team. <laughs> so who's who's okay? That being said, you think he's gonna get MVP? Who who's your favorite for MVP? I hate to say it because of my location. Don't then just then just don't just don't say because I think I know what you're gonna say. Don't say it. <laughs> I'm going James Harden. Oh, J- oh yeah, that, that's fine. I thought you were gonna say Kawhi. James uh, Harden fucking annoys me. I just <laughs> You think James Harden is going to uh by the way, for those of you who cannot see or have never seen John, just imagine John with a beard and a basketball dribbling down the court and he looks just like James Harden. It's funny. <laughs> God, <laughs> why do people I still don't see that people have been telling me that for like the past 10 years and I still Dude, don't see it. because it. it's true. When you <laughs> dribble down the court, you look just like him. It's funny. Uh, but I don't you really think he's going to have with Russell Westbrook sharing the core, you think he's still going to have an MVP candidacy? I think the thing that they have going for them is that even though they made a major swap with Paul for Westbrook, the rest of their team is pretty much the same. I think with a lot of changes that happened in the past year, I think one thing that they really have going for them is continuity. And I think with that, the Rockets are going to have a really, really good year. I don't think they're going to make the finals, but I could see them being the one seed or the two seed. And uh, you know, just on the on the back of another like James Harden offensive burst, I could see him. I think I think Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's not the ideal player to have next to him, but I mean, he showed with Chris Paul that he can share the floor with somebody. And I think 
it could be refreshing for him to have Russell Westbrook there to be that to be that jolt of energy and athleticism that they need on that team that Chris Paul was not. And um, I just I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like with the continuity of everything, the Rockets just have to be the Rockets, and James Harden has a great chance of MVP. Okay, I see that. And what about yours? My MVP candidate, I think he's going back to back. I think it's going to be Giannis again. Okay. I don't see him slowing down. I see if if they if they come if they come into any trouble or anything like that. I think the the Bucks are finally going to start making some big moves to keep him um, to keep him happy and and uh, and to give him some more outlets. I I don't see him slowing down at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that happening. Um, there's also been a lot of commotion. People are really thinking that um, Giannis could be the first player since uh, Jordan to win both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same year. And wow, that'd so, be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely has that potential. I mean, he's still in a really good situation with the Bucks. I don't think they're as good as they were last year, but he's still the main guy who's going to get all the touches that he wants. Everything goes through him on offense and on defense. And um, and his supporting cast is good enough to you know still coast through the regular season. I could easily see them winning like another sixty games and him being in position to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Yep, looking forward to it. All right, so before we decide our champions, one bold prediction to set us off. What you got? Well, you asked me a little while ago how far I thought they'd go. <laughs> my my bold prediction. I'm not gonna say that they win it all. I'm not saying that they get to the finals. I consider it a bold prediction because a lot of people have them not even making playoffs. I think the San Antonio Spurs make the Western Conference Finals. I sadly see them facing the Clippers, and I just don't know if the youth will be enough to keep up with them. Um, but I, I see them in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> I would say yeah, that's a pretty bold prediction. <laughs> as, much as, as much as I love them, like, man, that would be crazy. Because, th- I mean, you think about the talent at the top. You think about Clippers, Lakers, Rockets, Jazz, Nuggets. Um, who who else am I missing? I mean, there's, like, all those all those teams. And to have the Spurs up there as one of the last two standing. Well, the good thing is we don't have to beat all of them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're, we're probably going to have to get through them though because like i mean that's that's like six teams that i mentioned so we're gonna have to face them in the semis and probably in the first round too like that would be a slog of a playoff run Mm -hmm. and if if they make it to the west finals then yeah that would be exceeding any and all expectations that i have for them well write that down it's gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) what's uh what Uh, you got for both prediction um for my bold prediction i have Related to a pick that you made earlier, in the uh, just a few minutes ago, I am my bull prediction is that the Lakers lose in the first round. Yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, they they start off as well as anybody possibly could with LeBron and Anthony Davis. They got another guy, Danny Green, who I would trust in the playoffs. But after that, they have, like, nobody who I would trust in the playoffs anymore. And just, this team just isn't there yet. Like, they're they're still missing a couple pieces. I mean, when your team is relying on guys like JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Rajon Rondo, like, these these are guys who should be, like, 
your what ninth, tenth man on the team, not your not your starters and your sixth and seventh men. Like this is crazy. Like I just I just don't see it. I mean, I think they're gonna be a lot you know, compared to last year, they're still gonna be a lot better. I could see them getting up to fifty games, but I just uh I don't know. Well, just, they have to be a lot better compared to last year. Like, they, there's no way that they can't be a lot better compared to last year. Yeah, I say like, there's like undoubtedly they're going to make huge improvements, but I don't think that it's going to go for, and I don't think it's going to go that far. Right. And so, yeah, I think I know you. I mean, just as I named off all those teams just a minute ago, I think all of those teams you can make a case for over the Lakers. Oh yeah. They either, I mean, they either have the stars or they have the depth and chemistry, and it's just a lot of things. I mean, this Lakers team, I mean, it's a lot like last year, except, you know, they, I mean, they have better players at the top, but it's still just piecemealing a roster together and hoping that it works out. And, you know, not to mention that they have Frank Vogel as their coach, so you know we're definitely going to see another timeline of LeBron hating on his head coach and trying to bring oh, yeah. him out of town. And so it wouldn't be a surprise to me at all if Frank Vogel is on the hot seat from start to finish and he ends up getting replaced next summer by Jason Kidd. Wow, Jason Kidd? That's an, you double up on that bold prediction. So, yeah, well, I mean, did you not did you not hear about the stuff about their head coaching interview process? Like they would not they would I mean for people who don't know, head coaches always hire their own assistants, and right. um, one of the one of the stipulations that the Lakers had to all of the coaches that they interviewed was that they have to take Jason Kidd as their lead assistant. What? Yeah, that's why. Oh, uh, dude, that's just making it a clear path for him to get the job if they have exactly. to fire somebody. Yeah, okay, I get that. That's why Teron Liu almost took the deal, but then they told him you have to have Kidd with you, and he was like. No, do you think I'm stupid? Like you're clearly yeah. <laughs> already gunning for my job. Like no, and then they and then they you know they couldn't agree on a deal because of that, and then, and then they finally got Vogel to agree to a deal. And okay, so, I see that. Yeah. Okay. All right then. So, all right. Finals predictions. Who you got taking the whole thing? Oh God. <laughs> I think it's going to be the Clippers, man. I really do. I hate to say it, but I think it's going to be. I think it's going to come down to uh, the Clippers and the Sixers, and I don't think uh, Ben Simmons' new three-point shot is going to be too is going to be enough to handle <laughs> to handle the Clippers. Even though he's leading the league at a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's lights out, right? But no, that's going to change. I have it the other way around. I think the Sixers are going to beat the Clippers. Really hot take. Yeah. If there's a the little rap horn, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I just, I just really like the Sixers team a lot, and I, you know, even though there's a lot of evidence and a lot of people aboard of this shooting movement that you need everybody on the team to be a good shooter, I, I don't think that that's true. I think that there are ways to work around Ben Simmons' lack of a jumper, and I think that they can, they've can. they done a good job so far. I think they can t- continue to work around it and find, you know, like the right uh, the right play calling, the right chemistry for him. And, um, you know, I, I think I think it's going to pay off. I think, I think that the Sixers are good. I think they're deep. I like all of their offseason moves. Like, they... 
If so, if you if you if you told somebody that they were gonna lose Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick, you would have thought that you know they're right back to where they started, probably like a fourth or fifth seed. But then with all the moves that they made, I just I really I love Josh Richardson. I love Al Horford. Um, and I just one name to keep in mind. He's not going to be a star or anything, but one name to keep in mind is their rookie Matisse Thybul. That guy is a crazy defender. He might already be one of the best defenders in the league. And wow. I just I don't know. I'm I'm riding the Sixers bandwagon. I think they're the team to beat this coming year. Well, I'm all for it. I, if I could put in money with you, I'd be down uh, <laughs> just to spite Kawhi Leonard and the Los Angeles Clippers and the rest of the NBA world for just thinking that it's going to happen. Myself included, thinking that it's going to happen no matter what. Um, I, I do. I do hope the Sixers get it together and pull it through. Okay. All right. So we got the season opening Tuesday night. We got the Spurs season opening Wednesday night. And um, you, you know, we'll be we'll be here next week to react to everything and claim who's a dud and who's a bust and who's on their way to a championship after two or three games, depending on whoever you follow. So, yeah. All right then. Well, that was double shot. I'm JP. That's Hector. Thanks for coming back. All right. See you next week.